And look at it go. He could go all the way. Touchdown. 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 The Bills make me want to kick your heels up and shout. Coming up the middle. Free safety. Gotta get it go. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Come on and shout. Kelly with a deep drop takes a long look. He's got a man open. Andre Reid, he's in the end zone for a touchdown. How do you do? One second remaining on the clock. Jack Eichel wins it in overtime. Let's go, Buffalo. Let's go, Buffalo. The Bills make me wanna. Nobody. Circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 70 of One Before I Die. We are coming at you another day, another week, and another round. We advance. We survive and advance. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Buffalo Bills beating the Indianapolis Colts 27-24 this past weekend to propel us to the divisional round where we will be facing off with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so obviously big, big game this past weekend, big game again, next weekend, we'll be talking about everything that went on, um, with that game. We'll be talking about everything that will be coming up. Uh, it's the playoffs, baby. So, I mean, you know, what's at stake here. It's, it's big time. It's, it's do or die. It's win or go home. It's whatever you want to call it. And, uh, we're, we're here to break it all down on top of Bill's talk. It's, it's getting to that time. We, you know, we've been teasing it for the past couple of weeks. But it is finally here. Um, I know that with all the all the playoff drama, all the football drama in the NFL, the Bills, you know, it's kind of hard to think about hockey right now. But the fact of the matter is, is that NHL hockey is back this Wednesday. The Sabres are back this Thursday. So, you know, Ethan and I both being big Sabres fans, this being a Sabres podcast as well, even though we haven't had to talk about them in a while. We're going to give you a little bit of a preview. Um, so, you know, like I said, with all the noise around football, it's, it's been kind of hard to look at hockey, but I am, you know, don't sleep on it because at least me personally, I'm, I'm very excited for this upcoming hockey season, not just hockey in general, the, the Sabres too. You know, that might be a little surprising statement that you're surprised for this or happy that the Sabres come back, but I'm excited. So a loaded episode coming. Um, very excited to get going here. Very excited to get talking. Ethan, how's it going over there? Um, like I said, packed pack Effie here coming in, and let's get right into it. Yeah, we got a loaded one today, and I'm alive. That's all I got to start with. I'm alive. I'm breathing, drinking water, trying to stay healthy. Because, man, I think that game on Saturday took three years off my lifespan. I said five. I think I texted my buddies. I said five off my life. Maybe five. Maybe we're going on five now. And <laughs> this is kind of uncharted territory for us here. We're going in uncharted waters. I mean, you know, last year we did the whole wild card weekend thing, got let down in Houston. But, you know, this is a different team this year, right? We've been talking about it. Last year's team is completely different than this year's team. There's different expectations. And we've reached a point where we've met my expectations. So we had our going in, you know, our Bills season preview. And with, you know, Trent, we had Dino on and we each said, you know, what, 
I think one of the questions that we talked about is like what makes a successful season for the Bills this year? And what I said this year was making the playoffs, first of all, obviously. And I didn't even say winning the division. I would be happy with the wild card. But I said winning a playoff game. So, so far, the 2020 Buffalo Bills have met my expectations. They so I was gonna bring I was gonna bring this up. I was gonna bring the whole expectations thing up here because I think you're right. I think we both said. Well, you're not gonna let me finish. Well, did you have what else did you have? Well, I was just gonna say, I think those expectations for a lot of people have changed since the start of the season. Right? Yeah, that's well, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Is we both had the expectation of a playoff win. I think I said win the division and whole. I think you said like home playoff win too. So I think it was a playoff a division when we had an expectation for it. I, I said I didn't care how we did it, wild card, division. Okay. I wanted to win a playoff game. All right. So, all right, either way, playoff game is all we wanted to win. I think, I think personally I said home playoff win, but it doesn't matter. What I want to say, though, is those ex- expectations are something that they, they can move throughout the year, right? And so while if you go back and listen, like you said, that was our expectation. I don't think there's any doubt that right now your expectation would be would be higher, right? Like like after watching this season play out and watching us finish the regular season 13 and three, um, I guess I'm asking you, but I'll, I'll say me personally first, like my expectation has now rose and, and that, I think that's a normal thing. Like I, I'm expecting to go to the... Before the playoffs started, I don't think we even talked about expectations, but I, my expectation was to go to the AFC Championship game. So, yes, our expectations from the beginning of the season have been met, but expectations move like throughout the year. That's that's the whole thing is you can. That's why we record an episode every week. That's why we come out here and spill our thoughts after every every game is because things change throughout the year. And it doesn't just go from the beginning of the season to the playoffs. There's a whole season that we had to go through in between. So my expectations are higher. Like my expectations are AFC championship or bust right now, personally. Okay. I mean, at this point, I'm right. I'm right there with you. I think before we get into this talk, right. Cause it's going to get into a lot of, you know, what's ahead. I think we should start diving into this game that what happened on Saturday. And then we can start getting back to the expectation talk and, and what we're supposed to, what we're expecting to see next week. So I'm going to start off by saying, it was it was a heck of a ball game. I mean, I watched. I'm I'm sure you did too. I'm sure most people did. They, I watched a good majority of all six of the games, and I would say that game was probably the best one out of all six. Definitely from from like an entertainment standpoint. If you don't have a dog in the race, and if you were saying you know what was the what was the most enjoyable football game to watch out of the six, I think Bills Colts takes the cake. They had everything, and man, this team. I know we're going to get into the defense collapse. I know we're going to get into the Allen sack. But this team did not have its A game on Saturday. And I think most Bills fans will agree with me. They did not look like how they did against the Dolphins, you know, against the Steelers, against the Broncos. They weren't firing on all cylinders for, you know, four quarters there. They had to grind that one out. They had to battle field position all first half. They had to battle uh, a Colts offense that was moving the football. And I think Frank Reich, he came in with a great game plan. I mean, he was he was kind of shredding us up and down the field. But this defense battled. They, they bend, don't break in the first half there. Hold them to 10. Hold them with a great goal line stand that was a 10-point swing at the end of the first half. 
And then Allen and Diggs come up with a huge connection in the second half, as they've been doing all year. And we hold on to the victory. And I think that was just, it was a gritty playoff win. I mean, none of these games are easy going forward. And we're not going to start doing pretty, you're not going to start getting into pretty wins now. I mean, you want to argue that in week eight versus the Jets. You want to argue that against the Patriots, you, you know, midseason. Was it a good enough win or not? Maybe I'll entertain that argument. In the playoffs, I'm not hearing it. We win. We move on. You survive in advance. That's what the playoffs are about. And that's what this team did on Saturday. Yeah, 100%. Like you said, you'd think that most Bills fans would agree with that. We didn't have our A game. Well, I was just going to hop in there and say, A-game or not, it doesn't matter. The playoffs are a whole different beast, and as long as you come out with the W on the other side, that's all that matters. Now for the nitty-gritty, you know, what went down in that game, what needs to be fixed moving forward, because although at the end of the day, all that matters is that W, and, and I don't care how it happened, how we got it, the fact of the matter is if we play like that again, which I'm not saying we will, and I don't think we will because this is such a week-to-week league, and like I just said, the playoffs are completely different. But if we do, we're probably going to lose the next game that we play. So with that being said, um, I mean, it, w- it was a grimy one, like you said, and our offense, I thought, played pretty good. I thought that Allen actually played very well, and if you erase that one play that you were talking about, the fumble at the end, I thought he played a great game. It, you know, I don't know if you want to jump into the defense here or or what, but it that that was I don't I don't know. I thought the offense from an offensive standpoint was a pretty solid game. The only thing that I would bring up is that's that's kind of been circulating online is like what what, what was the whole deal with our game plan, um, like play calling wise and and why you know it just didn't seem like the same offense so, that we've been running all year. And I I have to I'd have to agree with that. And and I don't want to and I'm not like nervous. It, and my whole premise of this episode is I'm not worried because I, I, I know it's the playoffs. I know anything can happen. I know it's week to week. But at the same time, Dable calling these quarterback runs that are so sketchy and they're not worth risking Allen's health for and they're not working half the time. We're running three straight plays in a row. I, don't, I didn't really understand it. I'm not worried about Dable coming back and bouncing back next week because I think he'll correct himself. But, like, is he is he too concerned about interviewing for a head coaching job with the Jets and the, oh. and the Chargers on Sunday? Well, because his head it didn't seem like his head was it was in the game. You know, I'll, I'll agree with some of those points there. But I also, you know, I was, I was looking back on some of the tape. A lot of these QB runs that he called on, you know, short yarded situations, he – he saw he saw those looks know, in the box. I knew I knew exactly what you're going to say there, and I want to stop you real quick because you're going to say what we had the advantage of strictly from a number standpoint. We had more guys blocking than what they had in the box. Right. So that's what you're going to say, right? right. Well, the, the yeah. thing is, uh, <laughs> we've never ran the ball well this entire year, and the and, and I don't care they have one less guy. That's the whole premise of the Colts defense is run defense and all pros on the D line and all pro linebackers. So like. The, the Colts were taking that risk the entire game and we weren't adjusting to it. They were saying, look, you guys can have an extra guy blocking. We have our, our players are better than yours when it comes down to the run game and we're going to blow it up. And, and it just, we didn't adjust. So I get the numbers standpoint, but it's, it wasn't working. I thought we did adjust though. I mean, on the second half, we were throwing the ball a lot better. I think, you know, I'll agree. I, I don't think Dable brought his a game there. I'm not going to hear the argument that his head's in, LA or wherever interviewing for coaching spots. This guy's, this guy's going to win. This guy's a winner and he's going to do exactly what he did all season. 
some guys, you know, sometimes you just don't have your A game, and sometimes you just got a hat tip to the other team. I mean, the Colts are a good football team. They won 11 games, and like you said, their defense, their front seven is as best as is as good as any team in the league. I mean, DeForest Buckner is an animal. Their D line was playing fantastic against the run, um, and you also got to give your hat tip to Frank Reich. I mean, I think he called a great game too, and people are going to criticize his, you know, aggressiveness to go for it when maybe he should have kicked the field goal. You know, if I would have, I would have went for it. And I think, you know, if the Bills are in that situation, I'd want them to go for it too. Hindsight's twenty twenty here, and I think you're right. They I was calling it real time. I, I ain't no hindsight. I mean, I was seeing real time. What like Diane and I were watching the game, and we're like, why is Allen running the ball again, again? Why, why did Monsters get the ball three times in a row? I don't care. They have more guys in the box. No, I was saying That's the, the same thing. I was saying, I was saying the same thing. But I just, I just think it's, it's easy for people to be reactionary after he calls a play. If it worked, he wouldn't be saying that, right? So, I, you know, I just think you got to trust your guy. You, if, he, if he thinks that he could get it with that play and, you know, you've trusted him all year, why are you going to bail on him now? I'm, yeah, I, I guess I'm come back next week and he, I think he'll be fine. You know, I'm not worried. Dabble's not the, the guy that I'm worried about, if that's what we're getting at here. No, I'm no, not no. I'm not. sit here and criticize him after 17 weeks of just praising him, and then we play one wild card game, and we make some questionable, you know, run calls. or, or That thing that we need to worry well, about here... Well, I'm not... I'll, I'll say I'm not worried about him. That's, I'm, not, I'm not getting at that. I'm not concerned or anything, but if... But to that point, if you if you doesn't really matter, if you have an unreal regular season, you come in and spoil the playoffs. But I'm not saying he did that, but... And no, I'm not. I'm not worried about him. That's my whole point of the of this is that it's the playoffs and anything can happen. And we got the win. And you know, we he he made the right play calls when he needed to. With he, he kind of got Allen going and stuff. But it's still something to bring up because because it was weird. And it's not like 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 you said. Like just because he had an unreal regular season doesn't mean you change up in the wild card game and you don't get criticized because you, you had. 16 awesome games like the one game that matters the most if you change up your game plan doesn't work it's a little bit weird i'm not saying i'm concerned like i I still think that he has his head on straight and he'll come up with a great game plan for the ravens i have all my trust in the world it's just it was just weird to watch and i think this game could have been a lot different if we kind of just went with our normal attack that's all i'm saying all right i mean the thing i want to bring up right is second half let's start getting into some defense here they played great first half no doubt. I mean, we couldn't think, get off the field. They, you, play, you think they played great? You would say great? I would. I'd say they played pretty, pretty freaking good. Ten points in the first half. Didn't they? Uh, didn't the? Didn't the Colts have like a go? Was that go for it in the first half? I think yeah, it was, and they stopped them. The goal line stand. Uh, yeah, you could say that. I'm just saying. I, I don't know if they really stopped them at all all game. They were kind of getting moved on at will. I would, I mean, they definitely, so the one thing, they definitely struggle on third down. They, their third down defense was not good. And it, looked, we, it, looked, reminded me of the fir- it reminded me of the first, like first half of the season defense almost. I wouldn't say it was that bad, but it wasn't as good as the last couple of weeks. But the thing, the thing is, again, I mean, this, I thought Frank Reich had a game, great game plan, but, but second of all, what this defense did was it was Rams esque, right? In the second half, the bills go up big and, and we, we've been saying this all year, right? Whenever the bills seem to get a, get a, some sort of stamps, substantial lead in the second half, the defense has a tendency to have a big letdown drive, right? Where it's not like they, they give up a, you know, a long drive that takes off, you know, six or seven minutes out of the clock. They literally 
you know, get scored on within like two minutes. And that's like what you can't give up if you're a defense. You're up 14 points in the fourth quarter. And you just let your the team come down and score within like three minutes. That can't happen. The one yeah, thing I want to Yeah, twice, two times in a row. The thing that was different though about this the this game versus the Rams game, right, is ultimately the offense came in and, and saved their butts. What happened here was opposite, right? Defense saved the offense. Because we'll go back, you know, Allen took that sack to give us, you know, what, second and thirty-one and just basically took away any opportunity for us to get points on that drive. And he basically said, all right, defense, you got to go win this game. And what they did was they go, went and won this game. I mean, well, the fumble call, that, that was ridiculous, first of all. I mean, I'm sure everybody's tired of, tired of hearing this by now. I know I am. I was, you know, I just want to get into what my mindset was like during that because I thought the fix was in. I was yelling at the TV. I thought, you know, the refs that took that. First of all, that review took forever, forever for. And and it was like clear as day. You know, I didn't I didn't see anybody like on Twitter or wherever saying, you know, this could go either way. You know, he was clear or one guy even arguing saying, oh, he's clearly down. Every freeze frame that you see is the first time that like Poyer touches his back, his knees off the ground. So and the way that they were taking forever, usually when they take longer time, that means they're like reversing it to get the clock right, to make sure everything's set. And when he comes out and says, play stands, I immediately thought the fix was in. This game's going to overtime, or we're going to have some Hail Mary. This is going to be a storyline that's up there with the Music City Miracle, the, the Hail Mary. This is going to be another you know, chapter in the Bills storybook of just being a loser franchise. And then the way that we bounce back, steal the dub, Mika Hyde just says, you know what? I'm making sure this ball is touching the ground on this Hail Mary. I'm going to be the one to just slam it to the ground, and he just seals it away. I thought it was beautiful, but, yeah, the defense has got to clean up. And we all know what the weakness has been throughout the year for the Bills. It's been the run game. Jonathan Taylor, he looked amazing, right? He he was doing whatever he wanted out there. Um, and I'm scared. I'm saying I'm, 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 I'm nervous. I'm not scared. I won't say I'm scared. I'm not scared of anybody with this Bills team. I'm nervous. I'm very nervous. I'm not as confident as I was going to this Colts game. If I had to pick a team, and I said this going in, I think last week, I'm not just going to be, you know, some guy that saw the watch Steelers game last night and said, oh, I wish I would have played the Steelers. I said this going in. I think you said it too. We wanted to play the Steelers second round. We both never wanted to face the Ravens. But what, you know what? It's the playoffs. You got to win. And you got to beat the good teams if you want to move on. So we're playing the Ravens. All right, and we got to get on. it done. All right, hold up, hold up. Hold up. Let's just go back there for a second because sorry, I, I got carried away. Yeah, you just kind of went off there. Um, <laughs> I got excited. <laughs> he got off the rails. Back back to the the fumble thing. That like I just want. I mean, you pretty much summed it up. But that is just an absolutely ridiculous. Like, take a lap, NFL, because there, there's no way that you look at every angle possible, right? And and the thing that grinded my gears the most, I want to say, is that after the game. Right, like in every sport, they do these things in the NFL, the NHL, where the officiating crew will like come out with a statement and be like, "Oh yeah, sorry, we screwed that up." Like in the Saints game, remember like that egregious pass interference call? They were like, "Yeah, sorry, we like screwed up that pass interference call," Um, which like doesn't really like make anything better or worse. It's just the fact that they come out and say it. Well, you know, they come out after the game on on Saturday and they're like, "Yeah, no, like we're doubling down." There is still inconclusive evidence that 
his knee was up when he was touched. So like that was just like ridiculous. It's like, what, what are you talking about? You're going to double down on that now. Like it didn't affect the outcome of the game. Um, I mean, it's not like I really, I guess, care if they, if they said, oh yeah, we made the wrong call. It wouldn't have changed anything. It's just like, it's like, how, how are you saying that? Like, that's the, my mindset. It's like, how, what are you looking at that? Not the rest of the world is looking at where his knee was objectively off the ground. When Poyer touched him, he objectively lost the ball before he was re re down on the ground after. So that, that's the thing that like puzzles me. It's just like, whoever, what a, what a play by Poyer though. Can we yeah, talk Poyer, about that? Poyer and whoever the linebacker was, they both kind of were drawn at it. I think it might have been Milano. Milano. But it was but the, but you saw you saw in that slow mo him literally slow up and not touch the guy till his knees up because he's no, I want to get this football. But like right. that the heads up play there is unbelievable. Yeah. Right. So yeah, so that should have been be game. talking about this. This would be the this would be the play of the game if they called it right. Like this play would be, you know, sports center, it would be the number one highlight. And it's a shame. It's a really shame. Like you said, take a lap, MNFL, because you, you stole a great moment from, from Bill's history right from my fingertips. Yeah, so it's just like, what are you looking at? And it, I mean, it was so obvious to the point where during the review process, you go on Twitter and everybody from, from Bill's fan, like, so, all right, let me put it this way. Bill's fans are very, especially after, even more so after the whole Cardinals fiasco this year, are very like, it's not over till it's over you know, it was so obvious when you go on Twitter during the review process and Bill's fans are like onto the divisional round like that. Like everybody was just like, all right, let's go. Good win. And then they come back and say it wasn't a fumble. So I just want to say, yeah, that was crazy. I don't understand what they're looking at. The whole announcing crew, Gene Steratore's on the line. You know, they bring in the real rules analyst every game when they have something like this going on. He says it's a fumble. So I don't know. It just baffles me is all I can see. It's like, what the hell are you looking at there? The fix must be in. But at the end of the day, you know, like you said, Micah Hyde comes down and knocks the ball down. But back to the defense in general throughout the game, we we have to figure out because like you said, kind of going on your rant there, getting a little ahead of yourself is this Ravens team is probably the best rushing team in the league. So we're going to have to figure out how to stop the run. The other thing I want to I want to bring up is I don't think Matt Milano, your boy had a very good game. Like we're also going to have to figure out how to, t- how to cover some tight ends because Mark Andrews is a great tight end and that's their go-to guy for the Ravens yeah. too. So like it, it just seemed, and, and I, I keep wanting to revert back to the point and I want to make it clear that it's the playoffs and I don't care how you win. And like you said, you can maybe make the argument for it's not a pretty enough win in the regular season. Probably not even, but if you want to, that's the time you're going to do it in the playoffs. You, you cannot, you know, take anything for granted. You get the win. That's all that matters. Um, but yeah, the defense, I mean, Milano didn't look great. He, he was lost a lot in coverage. The one touchdown they scored was wide open. Jack Doyle, Milano and Trey White were kind of looking at each other like what the hell is going on. So am I worried about the defense? I would say maybe a little bit, but I, I can't say like completely because back to the, the whole Dable thing, you've been trusting them all year. You've been trusting this team to kind of come through when it matters. And it's so week to week. And they, they can, did. They can come, they can come back and, they and have did, even game. when they played bad, they came through when it matters, you know, both, you know, the defense came through when it matters. I, the I, only thing, the only thing I'd say is like, if the Colts had like a minute more on the clock, I don't think there's a chance we stopped them there. I, I just don't. But they didn't, and that's why you right. play the full no, 60. No, I know. Agree, but, but do you agree with that? You could also that? say if Gabe Davis doesn't make an incredible catch on the sidelines, it's a completely different game. You could say that for anything. You know, if, yeah. you know and it's ifs and buts, man, and that's why you play the full 60. 
you also say if you know if Allen doesn't take this horrible sack, then he goes and scores a touchdown, and we're not even talking about the defense. Yeah, we so, probably should talk about that for a hot second because that's man, what that I want to get like, into. That was that was giving me Houston Texans vibes, right? This is this is the thing where, I mean, he's an agent of chaos, and he's doing it all year. We're living with it now. We're used to it. We're 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 even like accepting it and. We're, we're know, even thinking like that. It. Yeah, embrace it. Like, that's what makes yeah. him great. Like, his yeah. first touch, like, let's not downplay the first touchdown of the game at Dawson Knox. Like, that's agent of chaos, Josh Allen, Allen to a T. Yeah, I, like, I literally, that first touchdown, I don't think there's another quarterback in the league that makes that play. Not even Patrick Mahomes. I'm, I'm serious. I, I'm that confident in that. But this is where maturity needs to set in, right? And I know this is his only second playoff game. You can't, you can't do that. And I know, I know that's so simple for me to say here and sit, sit, sit down and say that. And after all the incredible plays he made all game, those sideline throws, you know, he's get, he's pump faking, getting defenders up in the air, rolling out to his, you know, off throwing arm and making these incredible across the body throws. You know, he's rolling out, looks like he's throwing it away and it's a 50 yard bomb to Gabe Davis. Those are the plays that win or lose playoff games. It's as simple as that. It's those big turnovers, a big sack. It's momentum plays. And so when you, those are the plays where you can't make, you can't make another one of those if we're, if we're going to keep moving on. Right. I think like you yeah. said, the wild card was one thing with the Colts and the situation that we were in, the defense bailed us out. If you're going to be a, you know, a Super Bowl contending quarterback, you don't see a, Pey- a Peyton Manning making that kind of play. You don't see a Tom Brady making that kind of play. Th- those are the plays that separates the great ones from the good ones. And so if Allen's going to make that next step, I'm sure, I'm sure it's, it's eating him alive, right? He knows. It's not like he needs anybody to sit here. He doesn't need me and you on this podcast to sit here and talk about it. He knows exactly what he did and what he can't do going forward. But that against the Ravens, you can't do that. Their defense is too good. Their team is too good. They're going to punish you. And that you just need to clean that up. And we had the opportunity to go score a touchdown there, put the game out of reach, and he didn't do it. And by the way, I had all the confidence in the world we were scoring a touchdown that drive. Me too. I mean, like, we were moving the ball. We were moving the ball at will. I mean, it, we were, the offense was clicking again. It, we were getting back to our hurry. I loved it. We were, we were kind of running a hurry up there with, with like four minutes left, and we were up. We're, we're, we're up three, right? So I, I love, I love that offense. We got back to our roots there. And yeah. So shout out a hey, shout out Daryl Williams, first of all, for recovering that fumble, because that was honestly like the play of the game. If you look back at it. Um, so shout out to him in that respect real quick. I also want to say though, that I don't know if the O-line had back rate of a game protecting Allen. Like I, I think he was rushed a lot and that kind of created that, that chance there. So but I'm not. I'm still not worried. They'll tighten it up. They've been great all year, and and for the most part, they were fine. But at that last drive, a, a couple plays in a row there before that fumble, they they were a little bit dicey. But at least Darrell Williams, man, he ran him back and jumped on that ball, and that was literally a game-saving play. The final thing I'll say about this whole fumble fiasco is if this shows how much trust and confidence I have in Allen, and how much I. I think he he's the franchise guy, and I honestly wouldn't want any other quarterback on our team right now, except for maybe Patrick Mahomes, is that after that fumble happened, I literally, I, I still was sitting at my on the couch, and I was obviously devastated from that play, like thinking about the worst things that can possibly happen, right? But as soon as they panned to Allen, 
after I think we someone called a timeout there or whatever it was. And I had confidence that we were still going to convert on that. It was like second in 33. 33. And for some reason, like that's just what shows how, how far Allen has come in my eyes. For, first of all, how much I, you know, I slandered him a lot in, in last year. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of people have. When we went out there for second and 33, like I, I was like, if, I, if there was a bet, like, do you think they're going to convert first down here in the next couple of plays? I would have taken, I would have hammered yes. Like, I don't know why. I don't know what my brain's puts, playing tricks on me or whatever it was, but that's just how I feel about him right now. So even after that play, that's what I've been saying all year. He's known for making these kind of weird plays sometimes, but I have all the confidence in the world that after these egregious kind of mistakes that he's kind of cut back on, but still every once in a while makes, that he's just going to come out and, and somehow come out on top. So the the fact that I was like confident that we were going to convert on second 33 from our own 40 just shows like how far Allen has come and how elite that he's, he's become into. Um, and, and back to a con, a comment I kind of slipped in there real quick is do I think Allen is overall the second best quarterback in the league right now? I, I would probably say no, but I would not trade him one for one for any other quarterback in the league besides Mahomes. If that makes any sense, any sense to you? It's no, it does. Because it's because like Mahomes is on that another level. And do I think like maybe Rodgers or Deshaun Watson are better quarterbacks than Allen? I, I would say yes. But would I trade him for them? Absolutely not, because of the fit he's in here in Buffalo and how much he means to the city. So that's just something I wanted to say as well. Um, before well, I and, guess we move on, and I think. Because I think he still has a higher ceiling than those guys. I mean, obviously Rodgers, because he's you know at his prime and only going down. Right. But Deshaun Watson, do you know if he's going to get? Back? I mean, he's incredible. I'm not going to lie here, but I just think that Allen's, yeah, you know, he, still he, he hasn't hit better. a ceiling yet, and I think he's only going to get better with maturity. But anyway, before let's move to the Ravens game, maybe. Eh? Well, yeah, I just want to say one last thing. You know, Zach Moss went down. Uh, in the game, and it was announced that he is done for the rest of the season. That's going to be a big injury. I thought he played well. I thought he was, you know, he was a factor in both the run game and uh, the passing game Definitely. for us. And I think he's he stepped up a lot uh, throughout the last couple of weeks. And then also, I just need to give a shout out to my boy Gabriel Davis. I've been doing it all year. I'm the you know, I'm one of the you know leaders of the Gabe Davis uh, fan club here. Put on an absolute show. You know, I thought. I didn't want to say it, but I thought our receivers were kind of disappearing in the first half a little bit. You know, I was like, where's yeah. Diggs? Where's where's Beasley? I know Beasley was playing injured, and he still ended John up. John Brown had like a drop. He didn't play well. Yeah, John Brown, he was invisible out there. Um, and I was going to say, I know Beasley still ended up with, what, seven seven catches or something like that, and he was playing on one leg, basically, which is incredible. But Gabriel Davis, the rookie, the fourth rounder that nobody really thought would make an impact this year, but has – um, just has an, you know, he just shows up in the biggest moment in that late, late first half, makes some incredible sideline catches, pretty much ignites the offense. I mean, he was the spark plug that needed to get that offense cooking and he stepped up in a big way. So I just got to give a shout out to him. I think, you know, it's going to go under the radar, uh, how much he, he impacted that game on Saturday. So shout out Gabriel Davis. Hundred percent. Um, you also mentioned the Moss injury. That is something that I forgot about. So I'm glad you brought that up. It'll be interesting to see who the Bills bring in as you know the second running back. We're not obviously. It's not going to be Taiwan Jones, right? Like I know he's the guy that's active along with Moss and Singletary when they're all healthy, but he's mainly special teams. It's going to be interesting to see if it's Yeldon in there, um, or if it's that Williams guy. And 
obviously Singletary will be getting the bulk of the of the workload, which I'm completely fine with. That's what's nice about having a guy like Singletary and Moss on the team is one goes down and you can trust the other one, you know, very heavily. And I actually like Singletary when he gets the ball more. I think he's better when he gets more touches. So that could, you know, that could be a factor down the down the stretch. But it's going to be interesting to see if that Williams rookie that played in the uh, Miami game who had two touchdowns, if he if he if he gets a nod or if Maybe they kind of go with the veteran Yeldon who maybe, you know, knows the playbook a little bit better. He's been here for a couple of years. He uh, maybe can trust him more in pass protection. Um, I don't know if I really have a preference, to be honest. It would be maybe nice to see Williams, you know, get going if he can bring something. But who's to say? Um, But, yeah, let's move on to this Ravens game and talk about that for a little bit before we move on to the Sabres. Because like you alluded to earlier, you know, both you and I wanted the Steelers to win. And I, I have no you know, shame saying that I would obviously rather play the Steelers. I mean, I think it proved our point last night, why we'd rather play the Steelers, but at the, at the same time, that's not the way the cookie crumbled. And so if you're going to want to go to the Super Bowl, if you're going to want to, you know, make deep playoff runs, you're going to have to beat the best teams. And we're going to be playing the Baltimore Ravens. Admittedly, I did not want to play them a couple of weeks ago when we did our playoff preview. I said, that's one of the teams I would not want to play. Well, guess what? They're coming to Buffalo and we will be playing Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. This game, man, is going to be a doozy. This is going to be a grind it out and a, I don't even know what words I have to say to describe this game, but it's, it's going to be a good one. The storyline is there. Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, 2018 draft class, not to even mention Bakers in the other game, other divisional games. So the 2018 draft class coming in hot. Um, the, the run game from the Ravens versus the pass game from the bills. There's a lot of stuff to talk about here. And I'm confident. I'm nervous. Um, it should be a good one, but I don't know. What do you got? You know, another thing is these teams didn't play each other in the regular season too. So it's, I know that they played them last year. The bills, again, I'm going to say it. They weren't the same team as they were last year. I think the Ravens maybe were, you know, had a little more hype than they, they than they do this year. Right. Um, and that game in the regular season, I mean, the Bills, I think, only lost by a touchdown, but it really wasn't close throughout the whole game, right? You know, the Ravens kind of dominated that one. Yeah. But they didn't play each other this year in the regular season. So it's not like if we played the Titans or the Steelers and you got that whole argument, and, you know, it's tough to beat a team twice and they kind of know, you know, what they throw at you. I know the, you know, teams switch up game plans or whatnot, but a, t- a team is who they are. So it's it's there's going to be a lot of uncertainty right how are teams going to attack each other you know what's going to be the game plan from each side we said you said that the ravens are known for that run game the bills obviously known for their passing attack how are those two factors going to play in what's the weather going to be like i already was looking ahead there might be some snow showers coming into buffalo unfortunately i think that favors the ravens a little bit more you know the one thing i want to say is right we talk about playoff weather in Buffalo. Everybody loves to say, you know, once the Bills get in the playoffs, you know, having that outdoor stadium in, in Orchard Park, it's, you know, it's, it's teams are not going to want to play in January in Buffalo. It's going to be such a huge advantage to them. And it is. But the thing is, when you play a team like Baltimore versus if Tennessee won, I think it's nullified because Baltimore is a cold weather team. Like they're used to the playoff atmosphere in January. They're a seasoned playoff team. They've, you know, they've been a perennial playoff powerhouse for what, you know, five to 10 years. I mean, they were taking on Brady, uh, you know, five years ago. Granted, it wasn't the same cast of characters, but it's just that culture that they've built there that it's been instilled. I mean, the Ravens were there last year. And like you said, it's going to be Lamar versus Allen. 
it's going to be run versus pass and it's going to see what defense steps up. And so, you know, what I liked, what I'm going to see here is I, the bills need to make this game a track meet. They need to get up early and they need to make the Ravens play from behind because you can't let the, this Ravens team get a lead on you because they're going to do exactly what the Colts did a great job of against the bills is just these long draining drives, right? Where they have, they take six or seven minutes off the clock and then score. And the Bills can't do that. The Bills got to get the ball, score early, get a lead, and make Lamar throw the ball. You can't let them just sit back and run the ball for 80 yards on a, on a drive. You got to contain. I mean, this, this is going to sound repetitive because I feel like I'm like a Fox pregame keys to the game guy here. And what they say on every, uh, you know, Ravens game is, you know, keep Lamar in the pocket, make him throw the football, but that's exactly what you got to do to beat him. And you can't play from behind if that's what, how, because the Ravens aren't going to do that if they have a lead. They're, they have no reason to go throw the ball 15 yards down the field if they have, you know, a 10 point lead on you. So the Bills need to score early, score often, and they need to open up the playbook. You, I don't, you know, there's, this is going to be a make it. I think Josh Allen's going to have to throw throw the ball maybe, you know, 45 times, 45 to 50 times and, you know, put up, you know, th- over 350 passing yards for the Bills to win this game. Um, I don't think they can rely on their defense to, to make big spot stops, even though the defense is going to have to play well. This game is going to have to be won by Josh Allen and the offense. That's kind of my take. I agree. I mean, I think you, you kind of went ham there. You kind of went full on, you know, Terry Bradshaw, <laughs> Fox keys to the game. Like you said, um, just kind of pour it all out. Um, but it, actually by I'll take that back. I won't give it Terry Bradshaw. I hate Terry Bradshaw, but, um, anyway, no, I agree. I mean, uh, what I'm, what I'm interested in to see here is if the bills on defense, you know, they're obviously their, their normal defense, right. Is two linebackers, and you know, Taron Johnson plays a lot. Um, they get a little weak at the. They they're known as a four three team on on the defense, but they only play two linebackers usually. Well, they usually play. They're like a base nickel team. They usually play a lot of nickel. Yeah, yeah, base nickel. I don't know the exact terms. You're more of the football uh, term guy. But anyway, I'm wondering if you 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 bring an AJ Klein here and you run him out there with Milano and Edmonds a little bit more, and you don't play that base nickel like you usually do because like you said, you got to get them to throw the ball. You got to stop the run. And also, like you said, you can't let this, this Ravens team drain out eight minutes on the clock, go down and score for, for in the present moment, that sucks because it's taken a lot, a lot of time and they get points on the board. And also for the future, that's just bashing the, the defense's face in just Dobbins down the throat, like Lamar Jackson on the outside, it, the defense is going to get tired. And by the fourth quarter, we're not going to be able to, if you don't think we can stop the, the run in the first quarter, if they're doing that all game, fourth quarter, forget about it. So you got to be able to stop this team early and often get a couple of three and outs, make plays on third down. Like we, we haven't been doing in the first half of the season. Like we really didn't do in the wild card game. You got to get off the field on third down. And like you said on offense, I mean, I, I say it every week, but you got to just let Josh Allen do his thing, open up the playbook, throw the ball, have him run around like a crazy man without him making stupid mistakes. And you got to, th- you got to score. You, you, we're not going to go far in the playoffs anymore without scoring, you know, more than 27 points a game. I think that it, the Colts game, it was different, but I think we're going to have to score more than, you know, 27, 30 points in order to keep winning. Especially if you think about if we do win this game, we most likely play the chiefs where you know what their offense can do. So we've been saying it all year, but in order for the bills to win football games is they have to score. They have to rely on their offense. Um, 
and it's just going to be the same the same story this time. So, but I, I will be interested to see what kind of defense we, we come out with. Uh, you got you got to get this guy to throw the ball. I mean, you saw that like like we talked about. We probably all watched these games this past weekend. You saw Lamar Jackson's first interception in that tight. Yeah, it wasn't right? pretty. I mean, that was an absolute duck. Like he that like his arm looked like it was going to fall off after he threw that ball, and it was, it was fluttered in the air for about ten seconds. So. And then also Mark Andrews, I kind of alluded to earlier, but he he's their go-to wide receiver. Uh, other than him, dude, I mean, Hollywood Brown's like their number one, you know, wide out, mm-hmm. if you want to call him that. Yeah. Des Bryant's wash. So, I mean, they don't have really wide receiver options because um, they, like you said, that like their whole thing is the run game. So when they do throw the ball, they try to get over the middle to, to Andrews and it's going to be a, a task for, you know, probably Milano's going to be on him, right? So we kind of got gashed by the tight ends against the Colts and we're going to have to figure out how to, Guard, guard the tight ends and guard the pass over the middle when they do pass it because we want to force that. Like you said, like we, we're going to need to figure out how to guard that because that's what we want them to do. We can't have them run the ball down our throat the whole game. Um, but I think, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I think that's like what pretty much all I had to say about the game. And um, other than it's going to be a grind, you know, grind it out game. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be tough. It's n- no easy sledding anymore in the playoffs. So I guess uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's an 8:15 primetime game on Saturday night, um, and I guess we can do predictions. But I'm actually I'm actually retired from predictions. <laughs> what? <laughs> like <laughs> that's my thing now. At this point in the season, I'm not I'm not doing predictions anymore. I don't I don't like doing predictions. I I don't want to predict the the Ravens scoring points here or Allen doing that. I I'm rooting for the bills to win and I'm not putting any juju out there of a score prediction. All right. We want two predictions. I'm not, you can, you can do it if you want, but I'm retiring from score predictions because I don't, I'm not doing one. If you're not doing one, that's no, that's fine. That's fine. But I'm just telling you, I don't like, I don't know. I, it gets me, it makes, it makes me feel like I'm being a homer because I'm obviously going to pick the bills to win. So it's like, all right, this guy on a bills podcast, obviously picking the bills to win, but then I also don't want to be like, Oh, well the Ravens, it just, it just seems very, I'm not doing something as if it's not real all and, right, and genuine and organic. So I'm not fair. doing prediction here. Um, I'm just rooting for the bills. Obviously you got anything else on this? Anything else on the Colts game? Anything else on the Ravens game? No, I'm just, uh, I'm ready for Saturday. What do you, what actually, before we move on, let's get a little bit off like the actual football of it. What's your game day routine going to be for Saturday? Because I know that this mm. past Saturday, you know, you texted me and dad and I put the screenshot of it out on the internet. Actually, it kind of exposed you a little bit, but you said, you know, you're ready. You're what would the exact message say? What was the text message you said? You said, I'm so ready. You said, I, I just couldn't sleep. You said you couldn't uh, sleep, and um, you said you're laying out. You said you're laying out your outfit for the next day, like you're going to elementary school. So, yeah, I was. I, I did some laundry early in the day to get my all my uh, clothes ready and laid them out. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a 1 p.m. game. So that was a normal time slot. You know, you wake up, you have breakfast, yeah. and, and the game comes relatively quick. This is a whole different ball game on Saturday, man. This is going to be the longest Saturday of my life, probably. We have an 8:15 yeah. p.m. time slot. Like I said. What is your game plan on Saturday? Well, I actually have some plans, so it's going to take my mind off of things. I got um, a little uh, little band practice thing in the in the afternoon, and then uh, two of the the guys that I play music with are, are Packers fans, so I'm pretty sure we're going to go watch the game that Packers game beforehand. Um, but I mean, I'm be sitting there watching the Packers game and. I'm yeah, like what's your focus thought? on that game at all? That's what I'm gonna say. That's what I was gonna say. I was, my next question was gonna be, are you gonna watch that game? I mean, I probably obviously will because I'm gonna have 
nothing better to do and it's and it's playoff football but i really dude i don't know if i'm gonna be able to focus on the game like you said like yeah it's it's, it's gonna be a struggle but i mean that's like i said we're kind of in uncharted territory right now i don't know how to handle myself like i'm a it's like throwing a, a tiger in a fish tank like i don't know what to do i don't know about my surroundings i don't know how to act that's kind of like what we're at right now yeah okay i like that i'll probably wake up maybe go out to breakfast or something, get my, you know, clear my mind last week, this past Saturday, I actually had a haircut right before the game. So that, that was able to take my mind off of that. Um, and then, and then I always have, I always like to have a blue light right before the game, but I don't like to drink one during the game. So that, that's my big thing okay. is I like to like, kind of like calm my nerves with a blue light, maybe like an hour or two before the game, just one, um, get kind of kind of get settled in get that taste in my mouth and then maybe you know go play some video games or something probably watch the packers game for a little bit but then during the game i don't like i don't like drinking i like sticking strictly to the h2o i probably crush like three of my big water bottle things during a game (laughs) because i'm just nervously drinking um and then if we win i usually have a celebratory blue light so i usually try to sandwich my blue lights (laughs) okay i like that but yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a long it's gonna be a long day on saturday i'll tell you that much um but I look forward to it. We're in the divisional round, and let's let's keep it rolling, Bills Mafia. All right, so now Buffalo Bills talk is over. Let's do a little transition here to the other Buffalo sport is hockey, obviously. NHL starting this week. <laughs> <laughs> Savers. I don't even know how I'm supposed to transition to this after just getting so wrapped up in the playoffs. The other Buffalo sport is hockey. <laughs> <laughs> so... Let's talk about it, man. I mean, it's going to be a different year this year. Shortened season, 56 games. Um, we're playing only our division. We're playing games kind of like a baseball style. We're playing teams back-to-back. We're playing teams all in bunches. Uh, our division's tough, and it starts this week. So first game will be Thursday. We got the Washington Capitals at home. Thursday, Friday, back-to-back, leading into the Saturday game with the Bills. So it's going to be a packed little week here. But... um. What's your expectations for this team, dude? I mean, I know we kind of have different different thoughts a little bit. Um, I don't yeah. know if my, my thoughts have actually changed a little bit since we've talked last just because of some recent news and training camp that I've seen. But, I mean, I'm still excited to watch them. I'll, I'll say that much right now. I'll start off by saying I'm excited to watch the Buffalo Sabres play hockey. I mean, it's been almost a year since we saw them last. A lot has changed with the team. A lot has stayed the same. I'm excited to watch the team play hockey. Given that, expectations for me are probably a lot lower than you, knowing how we, we, we talked a little bit about this when I was home over uh, holiday break. I'm just, I'm excited. I'm not going to let that, let my expectations ruin the fact that I'm excited to watch hockey again and I'm excited to watch the Sabres. Excited to see the Royal Blue jerseys. Excited for Rick Jenner to be calling games. I'm excited for everything like that. But expectations-wise, knowing the format of this season, knowing who we're playing, knowing what it's going to take to get into the postseason this year, expectations are not high. I'm going to start, start off by saying that. The, the one thing, I mean, we can go through the roster, right? I mean, no, notable, noticeable changes added. Biggest changes added superstar forward Taylor Hall. Um, added veteran Eric Stahl. Added some depth in Tobias Ryder and uh, Cody Eakin, who I have no clue what to expect from from those guys. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I don't; those signings don't really move the needle for me. And then, as far as defense, well, then hold on for zero forward, changes for forwards. Cousins, right, might be on the roster. 
might be on the roster. I haven't heard if he's planning on, you know, making it or not. He, he was playing the on the third line yesterday. So he, I think there's Again, a good chance I, he makes it. I don't, knowing Kruger, I'm not taking anything that he throws out as far as lines until I see Thursday what the lines are. I'm not taking anything that this guy's too, too crazy for me. Well, well I, I would agree. I would agree with you. I would agree with you usually, except for the fact that we've seen, we've had a year to see what this guy does with the lines already. So like, like do you, all right, I guess let, let's talk about the lines here. Why don't we, right? Let's get right into it. Yeah. Okay. So yesterday at practice. So I think this is the most recent, recent um, lines. And I think there was a few absences, uh, a couple of guys hurt. Um, but with, with the absences, the lines yesterday were Hall, Eichel, and Thompson, Olfson, Stahl, and Reinhardt, Ryder, Eakin, Cousins, Skinner, Asplin, and, Sh- and Sheehan. She- Sheehan, is that how you say his name? Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> and then Quinn and Middlestat were rotating in. So, like you said, you're not sure what the lines are going to be until that first game when he comes out the lineup and, you know, those guys are on the ice playing with each other or whatever. I, I agree with that for the most part, but th- this is just going to get me in a tizzy again because, and this is why I think my expectations have lowered a little bit since we talked last time over Christmas break, like you were talking about. And it's because we've seen Kruger and the lines that he's come up with since he's taken over. And that's why I am a little bit more worried with the line combinations I'm seeing now, because like these were the lines last year and I- I'm alluding to Skinner. And I'm looking to Jeff Skinner being on the fourth line, and it doesn't make any sense to me. It it doesn't make any sense to me. And you can and you can say that it's something is going on in the locker room, or you say something is is going on with Skinner or whatever. But but they always post Skinner smiling at practice, and they always say he's the happiest guy out there, and they always have him doing you know the go Bill well, stuff. Making he's making nine million a year, so he's probably pretty happy. Okay, but you know, you know, what do you mean? You know, hockey guys, they want, they want to play. They want to be top. The fact that he's not a top six forward makes no sense. And the fact that, and that's why I'm saying all those things is because if the, there's no reason he should be, not be a top six forward, right? Unless there's something going on in the locker room, which I don't know where there would be. You know, it seems like he's a good teammate, all those other things. Um, but, but we saw him play in the third line last year. We, we saw him play bottom six last year. So that's why, like, when I see, Sabres analysts and and people at practice being like, you know, I wouldn't get too over concerned with Skinner moving down to the third or fourth line just yet because he could move back up in the next couple of days is like, well, Kruger played him down there last year like that. That's happened. It's not something that he just practiced with. And then during game time, he's moved him back up. So that's what I that's what I'm worried about. The other aspect to it is over the past week or, or two since they've opened camp, the only thing I've been hearing from people that are at practice reporting on it is how good Skinner, Stahl, and Reinhardt look together when he opened up practice on that second line with those two. They've been saying, wow, they have great chemistry. They look like the best line on the ice. They're b- better than the Eichel Hall line. So then what, what has changed over the past couple days where all of a sudden now he's down playing with Asplund and Sheehan? And it, to me, it doesn't make sense. This is what Ralph Kruger had to say on it. He said, it's important no matter what your role, no matter what your skill level is, or that in general, you play with our principles. He's continuing to work on that together with the coaching staff. Once he lets that go and relaxes, trusts his instincts, he's going to give us what we need. We need scoring right through the lineup. The present setup will give that line opportunity to add offense. It's important for Jeff to just keep working hard. And again, our principles need to be the guidance. One more. We're confident 
we'll be able to get Jeff in a good place here. Like all of that doesn't make any sense to me. Like he's like, we have to align with our principles of like, what, what are you talking about? It means about? he doesn't feel confident in playing in a system. So you, so, think- you, so you think, so you, you agree with what's going on what's going on here? Absolutely. I mean, why else would he be playing fourth line? I don't know. That's what I'm asking. Exactly. He doesn't, I don't think he agrees with, I don't think he likes his game maybe defensively. I don't think maybe he is confident in playing top line minutes. Do I agree with it? No, but I think that's what's going on with it. You just said you agree with it. No, I agree. I agree. Like, cause I thought you meant, do I agree that that's what's happening as far as like, well, obviously that's what, well, obviously that's what he said. Like that's a direct, well, you were like, I don't know what he's talking about. He doesn't agree, like align with our principles. I thought I was explaining. Yeah, I think that. that's I th- I think that's a, I think that's just like a crazy thing to say from Kruger. Like the guy I'm paying nine million years who had forty goals. Well, before Kruger I came. wasn't Kruger wasn't there when they signed him to this contract. I know, but, but I'm saying he had forty goals before he he came, and now he's just not going to play top six minutes. Right. And, so and the, I, I I don't understand that. And and the and the whole reports on how they looked great. Like it's not like they didn't look good with Stahl and Reinhardt. Like they said that was the best line out there. So I don't understand what what's going on. Dude, I have no idea. I mean, this is exactly what we've gotten with Kruger since he took over, right? We have no clue. I mean, you say what you say, the players endorse him based on his, you know, his leadership characteristics and his the way he handles, you know, the locker room and whatnot. The one thing that, you know, myself and you have never seen eye to eye on is his lineup decisions. I mean, we were, what, hammering him last year about the 7D. We were, you know, talking about, uh, just Skinner not playing with the right guys, you know, not really switching up the line combinations when we are losing crazily. So it, this is just textbook Kruger. I think what you're going to get with him, right? He he's has a system he's set in that he thinks, you know, certain players are going to be successful in certain situations and he's sticking to his guns. So um, like I said, do we see Skinner playing in the, in the second line Thursday? Maybe I'm not throwing it out because he did play with those guys at the beginning of camp. So maybe Kruger's saying, you know, I just want to see what it looks like if we spread our talent out a little bit. But am I going to be surprised if Skinner's playing in the bottom six on Thursday? No. And yeah. so I mean, I, I mean, I, we're I gonna agree. you're gonna get what you're gonna get with this with Kruger, and I don't think you're, he doesn't he doesn't really like give like those are the type of answers you're gonna get with him too. It's not like he's gonna come out and say, yeah, Skinner's horrible on defense. That's why he's not playing top minutes. He's not going to come out and say that, right? He's going to give you these convoluted answers and he's, you know, going to keep things close to the chest. So that's just, that's just what you're going to get with Kruger. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's why my expectations have lowered because I thought that, I mean, I think I'm not the only one here. Like I, you're making me feel like I'm the only one here, which I don't think at all I am is once we side hall, once we traded for stall, like it seemed like we finally had a solidified top six and, and I, I don't care what you say. I don't care what stats you give me whatever you want to tell me, the best teams are going to put their best players, their best skilled players together at the top six positions where their jobs to go out there and score goals. And maybe they're not playing as good of defense. Like if, if Skinner's not playing that great of defense, I mean, he, he still deserves to be out on the ice because he put up 40 goals. The, the bottom six forwards are the ones that are supposed to go out there, do the nitty gritty, wear down the other team's defensive pairs and let the uh, other I mean, that's the thing that I don't in. understand either because you, if he's... I don't know if he's not playing within your system, you put him on the fourth line doesn't do you anything. Cause I mean, it's no secret that Skinner's he's not good defensively. Like nobody's, nobody's saying that and he's never like been egregious, though. and you didn't, yeah, you, yeah, but you didn't sign him nine mil. You didn't sign him for this crazy contract for exactly. him to be a good defensive forward. So I think, you know, putting him 
in the on the fourth line with guys that are there to literally not get scored on is is crazy because I mean you're you're basically taking his greatest strength and taking it away and then you know exact you know making his weakness more vulnerable if that makes sense you know what and, I mean and then and then also it's like the other thing is Kruger says like I want scoring all the way through the lineup it's like all right yeah obviously you want you know your third and fourth lines to chip in for goals here and there but the way he's saying it with like the his answer was like why is Skinner down there he's like I want th- scoring through all the lineup that's kind of alluding to that you know your bottom six lines your bottom six forwards third and fourth are going to get a little bit more time and that means that Eichel and Hall and those guys aren't going to be on the ice as much and we we talked about that last year with how a postal line was getting a lot of you know a lot of ice time compared to other teams the third and fourth line played a lot more for the Sabres than other teams you know their first and second lines right so it's just alluding to that he wants to kind of roll three four lines kind of spread out the scoring a little bit when you know the fact of the matter is you have Eichel one of the best players in the world you know, if it's me, I want him out there a lot. So I don't know. I'm just getting at like, I'm not going to go through this whole freaking season again, just sounding like a broken record. Cause I feel like I'm doing that right now, alluding back to the last time we talked about Sabres hockey, which was back in like February. Like I'm not going through the whole season, just questioning why Skinner's not playing top minutes. And then when the, when the team is, is, is not doing well, like it, right. he's still down there. Right. So it's like, it's just, it's just very confusing to me. I had a little bit more of high hopes going into this year that the lineup might be different, that the culture could be different. Something could be a little bit different. And that's why I thought we might've had a chance to compete a little bit better. But if, if crew just going to keep doing this and I mean, I don't know, maybe this comes back and bites me and all of a sudden we're, we're unreal for some reason, but I just don't see that happening. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't want to stay on this. I kind of want to go to like my concern right before this lineup even got announced was the defensive side of the, of the ice. That's where we talk about, you know, you were saying, you know, we had all these offseason changes. You're like, Oh, our top six is solidified. Now, you know, we got some scores offensively. We got some help for Eichel. You look at the defense, nothing's changed. We're going to roll out with the same defenses we did last year. They weren't great. And I think your only hope this year is that your young guys got better, right? That Darlene's better, that Yoki Haru's better. But you know what you have in Ristolainen, and you know what you have in McCabe. Colin Miller's not getting any better. Montour, is he going to get better? I don't know. He hasn't been that great since he came over from Anaheim. And so I'm just, I'm just really concerned about this back end. And you got a, you got a, a division now that we're playing in that has some really high-end scoring. Allmark is a huge question mark in net. I'm still not sold on him. Remember last year I said this is your prove it year, Allmark. And we even know if he's a starter. I don't care because he's him or Hutton. I, I'm not sold on either of these guys. Hutton, I'm know, definitely not sold on. No, I know. I'm just saying I think Allmark should be the guy here. But I don't think Kruger's made that decision yet either, is all I'm saying. I don't care because I I told I gave Allmark last year to prove it to me. He didn't do anything to prove to prove well, it to me that he has know. that job. He, he had he was hurt, right? He he had good numbers when he was healthy. I don't think we had enough sample size of him last year, to be honest. And I'm not saying he's the guy. I'm just I saying if know. there's any question between the two and and we lean high, I think that's absolutely crazy. I just don't think you can go in the season confident at the goalie position right now. Um, yeah, no, I mean I'm not disagreeing with that. Yeah, I just I just think we're going to be a nightmare team defensively. Um, I think the whole. I think, I think we're. Whole, I think we'll score. I think we'll score goals. I mean, you have to with Eichel Hall, Reinhardt. You you have too many guys that can score not to score, but I just think we're going to be in these games where, I think that we're due for a lot of heartbreak this year. You know that Lightning game last year, we were up like four one, and then we ended up blowing it like five four. I think we're going to be in a lot of those games. We're going to be up more than one goal, and we're just going to have 
defensive lapses that we just collapse. We're going to have a lot. Of, I think that's going to be the story this season where we just can't, we don't know how to play with a lead. We can't hold a lead. And our defense is just, you know, I think we're going to be lead the league in takeaways. Um, I just don't trust this defense, man. It's, 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 I've seen this story too many times. I think the hope is, I think the, also the hope was other than just hoping your, you know, young defensive studs come to life, like Darlene, which by the way, I think he put on like 10, 15 pounds. So he actually could be, you know, a dominant. Dude, I'm going to get it on my, you just got on the Skinner horse. I'm going to get on my horse right now. I'm sick of hearing Do, this is Darlene's breakout year. When are we going to see his breakout year? I mean, this guy's, it was a second year last year. What are we talking about? But he, he didn't look better to me last year. Do you think he had a good year last year? I thought he had a pretty solid year. I thought he was kind of disappointing. I mean, he. There were stretches of the season last year where the guy just looked like he was outmatched. He was not confident. I mean, didn't we bench him? But that's Kruger, though. That goes back to Kruger. That was a crazy benching. I do. I don't think. I don't know, man. He's good. Is he what he? Everybody's saying he is. Hey, I know defensemen hey, take hey, longer. He's twenty-one years old. He's twenty-one years old. I know, but there's there's a time where the league is a young league now, and you see guys like Kale McCarr and the guy in Dallas. What's his name? Heiskinen. Uh, Heiskinen and uh, Quinn Hughes. Quinn Hughes. You see these guys explode, right? And these guys are young, just as young as Zalian, if not younger. And I'm just waiting for that. The switch needs to flip for Darlene. He needs to take the, take the next step. And I, I'm, you know, I get he's young and I'm not, I'm not bailing on him at all, but it's a, the NHL is a young league now. And, and it's, it, it, it's just a time where you got to, at some point you got to make that step and you got to oh, be yeah, the guy. Okay. I mean, whatever. I guess you can say that. I thought he played pretty well last year. I think he's, when he gets the puck, I mean, he makes people freaking dance out there. Like he, he he's, unbelievably skilled. I'm so. not, I'm not saying that his offensive game is fine. I'm just from a defensive zone, like reliability standpoint, he was just, you know, getting dominated in the corners. I know you said he put on weight, so I'm, I'm happy to see what he looks like out there. I just thought he would get bodied sometimes and, and make a lot of, you know, bad giveaways, you know, and yeah, you can't do that as a top D man. I mean, I know that he's electric from the scoring end, but you play defense to play defense. I mean, you look at Victor Hedman, he doesn't have the same offensive ability as Darlene, but he's the best defenseman in the league because he's just sound at everything that a defenseman should do. Yeah, I, I get it. Whatever. I mean, I, I'm expecting Darlene to have another good year. I think he's been all right, and I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna be awesome. But back to what you're saying, you're worried about the defense and, and all that. I think another like hope for the whole offense and why I'm a, like getting a little bit worried again is that I, th- we, and we talked about it last year, like when your offense isn't scoring as much like last year, the defense struggles a lot. Cause you're, you know, you don't have the puck in the O zone. The defense gets really tired. So I think the hope was probably, you know, bring in some more offensive skill with, with hall and, and stall and, and have a little bit of a better game plan. So your defense isn't playing on their heels as much. I don't know if that's going to happen as much, but I, I, I hope that maybe that's, you know, part of the case is that we can score a little bit more. We can play less in our defensive zone. So these guys aren't just forced to throw the puck up the side of the boards and risk the Lions just throwing meatballs in the middle of the ice. Like, uh, like, yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm definitely worried about that. I just hope that maybe we have a little bit more life in us in the back end. Um, if we're controlling play a little bit more, uh, if that happens or not, I don't know. Um, the other thing we I want to say about the forwards real quick is we kind of glossed over it, but Gergensen's will be out for the year. I think this is something we kind of disagree on, but I think that I mean, well, do you, you don't think it's that big of a deal, do you? I mean, I I like Gergensen's. Does it make or break the season? No, 
Right. Okay. I, I thought we maybe disagreed on it more, but I mean, I think it's kind of like a bigger loss than people think type thing. Like it's not definitely not going to make or break the season. He's not. Do I think he's going to be that much better than a Tobias Ryder or Cody Eakin? No. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, that's like why I think it's kind of like a loss is because you have, you know, like Asplund and, and Sheehan like, the, do you, so you think he's kind of on the same level with those guys? Like we haven't seen any no, of those guys. I, play, I mean, I'd right? say he's a little better, but like Lazar, is he that much better than Lazar? No. No, I know. I just think that he's he's kind of like a solidified like bottom six guy. That's like he. I think he's a guy that's like comparable to like he, if you talk about the Bills, he's like a Starlet Tule where he went out and everybody was like, "Where's Star?" All of a sudden, where he's like, "You can get around it." Like without Star, we're fine, and without Gergensen, we'll be fine too. But it'll just take us a little bit of time at first. It'll be like, Oh, Gergensen's was that guy kind of soaking up bottom six minutes, him playing with uh Larson Oposo at one point was honestly our best line. He's a guy that goes down in corners. Like I said, gets the other team uh, tired out plays, you know, below the goal line. So our top six forwards could come in and score. So I don't, I don't think it's like a huge loss, but I think it's something that the Sabres like are honestly gonna have to work around over the first like 10 games or so of like not having him. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I just think that I guess it's kind of hard to make that call until we see like some of these guys that we signed, like like the guys I mentioned, like Eakin or Ryder, and we'll see how much we miss them. But I don't know. I'm just not going to sit here and talk about how much I'm going to miss some Goose Gergensons this year when we got glaring issues. All right. That's fair, I guess. So, I mean, do you have anything else really to add besides maybe you want to talk about like division predictions or, or, or moving forward for like expectations for like the year as a whole? I mean, division predictions, I have us finishing sixth in our division, uh, missing the playoffs. As far as, like, season expectations, I guess uh, if we make the playoffs, I'd be ecstatic. That's that's pretty much where I'm at. Like, I'm not expecting it by any means. If we make it, that's successful season by a long shot. Um, and I, I guess I'd like to see... If if Cousins is on the team, I'd like to see some sort of life out of him because I feel like since we drafted uh, Dalian and Eichel, like we've just had we've just been whiffing on our first round picks. So I'd like to see him maybe show some sort of promise in the NHL. Um, and then I'd like to see Dalian, like I said, take the next step. And you know, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I wonder if Middlestat will make the team too. Uh, that'll be interesting to see if he gets like a you know a nod and he's like a healthy scratcher what goes on with him um but yeah i have the i have the sabers i had the sabers back when we were texting about it. i had them finishing fifth in the division just missing that fourth fourth slot in the playoffs i think and, and my and my whole thing was i had them finishing fifth i had philly finishing fourth and pittsburgh finishing sixth but i said i think that you know the, I think that the Sabres might be able to hop up to that fourth slot. Like I was very optimistic about that, that they would be kind of a close fifth more than a distant fifth. I think my expectations have dropped a little bit for, I think they finished fifth or sixth now, and it's not really close to the playoffs. I, I really thought they were going to be kind of battling for that last playoff spot. I, I really did. I thought I was, you know, high host with Hall coming in. Um, but just seeing the the lines play out this this past week and I know that's not like a huge factor when we haven't even seen a real game but it just kind of reminded me of like what the season was like last year with Kruger and his his little lines that he says to the media yeah. and just like not really trusting him it just kind of gave me that flashback so even with the flashy signings of Hall and with the trade with Stahl um 
and like a little bit of a different look up front. Uh, you know, Cousins had a great World Juniors. It kind of got me excited, but just seeing the way that camp played out kind of almost brought me back down to earth. So that's why I'm like a little bit more half glass uh, empty than full. I think we're going to get humbled really quick too. I mean, we start the season with the Capitals and they're, right. they're a you know, veteran team, won the cup a couple of years ago, you know, studs up and down the lineup. So the, the only thing I can say is if we have a season like we did two years ago or, you know, where we, where we come out hot, right. And we were like, we start like 10 and two or like 15 and five or whatever, then it's like, okay, this might be the year where we can maybe make the playoffs because of the shortened season. So like, that's the only that, that like that's something to look out for. Like if for some reason we come out hot again and then we kind of die down, since it's a shortened season, we might be able to squeak in there um, because of the circumstances. But so that, that's something to look out to too. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So um, nothing else on Sabres, I guess. First game for them will be Thursday night against the Caps, as we both said. Um, Bills will be playing 8.15 p.m. against the Ravens for the Saturday night divisional round. So Buffalo Sports will be back in full swing here, at least for one more weekend. Uh, Hopefully it goes for another couple after that. But uh, with that being said, I think we're all done here. It was a a loaded one for you guys. So appreciate everybody who stuck around to listen. and we'll be back next week, hopefully, with uh, another Victory Tuesday. I'll, I'll put it that way. So go Sabres, go Bills. Have a great week, everybody. And uh, we'll see you.